Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. It seemed like for a minute we'd be enjoying another Victory Monday here in the Finsider Radio Skype call? We'll call it a Skype call. Here, uh, this is the Jake and Josh Show. I am Jake Mendel. I'm already a little shook talking about this uh, Dolphins game. Joshua Houts on the other line. Josh, uh, interesting, very, very interesting day at Hard Rock Stadium yesterday between the Kansas City Chiefs taking a 33-27 uh, to 27 win over the Miami Dolphins. Patrick Mahomes intercepted twice in the first quarter. Dolphins can only score 10 points off of it. And you tell, I, I knew right then and there this game was going to be over. But Josh, let's start from the beginning here. How you doing today, my friend? I'm doing good. And, I mean, we don't want to sit here and talk about a moral victory Monday. But, I mean, there are takeaways from this that, you know, look promising. But, ultimately, the Dolphins didn't do enough. You mentioned it. They picked off uh, Patrick Mahomes twice there in the first half. I think it was three there total. Forced a fumble then as well. And, you know, it just wasn't enough. The offense wasn't able to, you know, ultimately do enough with those turnovers. But, Let's just take a step back and let's just, uh, you know, dive right into this. You want to talk about the offense? I mean, the whole thing going into this was the whole Tua versus Patrick Mahomes thing. And you see some analysts saying that they believe that maybe Tua Tungvaloa played the best football out of these two. Give me your thoughts on, you know, the overall performance and just what they did to execute offensively on both sides. It was really cool, first of all, to to see the Dolphins get get the headline game uh, in, in the early slate, at least. It seemed like everyone really had their eyes focused on how Patrick Mahomes was going to do against the Dolphins' defense. Uh, obviously, that Bills-Steelers game is up there for maybe the game of the week for the you know what we're learning about the AFC as the playoff picture develops. But I mean, b- back to the point is, is the Dolphins got Tony Romo and Jim Nance on the call, which was a treat. I want to start out by saying it is so much better getting the the top of the totem pole analysts here and let them really tell you what's happening in the game. Uh, We heard Romo really love what Tua was doing a lot of the game. Even there were situations where uh, uh, the Chiefs did a good job uh, on defense of fooling him pre-snap. You know, as soon as Tua would go to do the uh, uh, play action, they'd switch up what their safeties were doing. And Tony Romo basically was was explaining that he was learning football. He was picking up on these things. He was making errors uh, in these plays. They, they were catching him off guard early in the game. But you saw that growth throughout the game. You saw what they did in that second half there to make this game close and even come away with it. But, Josh, I think the next step that we really want to see out of this team is from a start to finish, just complete effort where you can blow out an opposing team because the Dolphins seem to have that talent where they can compete with the best teams in the NFL, but you don't see them, you know, blow off those those bad teams as easily as you would think. Absolutely. I mean, we can sit here and we can talk about the depleted receiving corps and how the Dolphins were on their fourth, fifth, and sixth string running backs, but, you know, ultimately they just didn't do enough. And we can sit here and a lot of people are speaking highly of two after this performance. I mean, it was a very good performance, career best in yards, career best in completion and attempts. Um, he had three total touchdowns, again, a career best. So, I mean, so, I mean, what we're seeing here is growth throughout the game. And you mentioned Tony Romo seeing that. 
We did see him take that chance to Devontae Parker in the end zone. Uh, it hit Devontae right in the hands, but Jakeem Grant was running wide open underneath. Um, we saw him throw some balls in the dirt. Uh, he had a couple that were high, so he wasn't perfect by any means, but just the way he you know, gathered himself and you know, overcame adversity because we saw him get that ankle injury. We saw that get taped up. He just didn't look like the same to a tongue of Iloa, you, you know, right after that and then just coming out of the half. I mean, I think he took a sack. I mean, I think the Dolphins punted the football right back to him. This was a 30-10 game, you know, late into the third and just, you know, to see the way they persevered and, again, to look at what he was working with here. Lynn Bowden was his number one receiver once Jasicki went down, who had a monster game. I mean, Mike Jasicki, we have to tip our hats to him because this dude just went out there, two touchdowns, you know, his season is in jeopardy. Like, we don't know what is going to come from this. But, again, he just went out there with, with very little weapons and, and on the biggest stage of them all, you know, went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. And it was awesome to see. Again, it wasn't perfect, but it was definitely a step in the right direction. And I think a lot of Dolphin fans should be excited for what the future is in Miami. Uh, the Dolphins were up 10 to nothing early. Uh, Chiefs scored 14 unanswered to end the half there, leading 14-10. to 10. Uh, The Chiefs then, you know, you mentioned the punt return, touchdown, the safety, and then a, a deep ball to Tyree Kill. And all of a sudden, you know, you're looking up and, it, and it's, that 30 to 10, what what on earth just happened here? But, you know, what I thought was kind of interesting is you look at what the Dolphins are trying to do, what the Dolphins did do. I mean, they they pounced on the Chiefs here. I mean, the two interceptions early, you have a note, and I think I, I think I got it right word for word here. It's just Andrew Van Ginkle is God, something something along those lines. Uh, he, he batted down what seemed to be a little out route. Uh, the ball went up in there. Byron Jones caught it, and, and he held on to that thing like a loaf of bread, fumbled the ball, but the uh, Dolphins recovered it there. And, man, this screamed the, the Rams game. I mean, the, the Rams are quickly developing as into one of the best teams in the, the NFC, and I'm not going to say that they're anywhere on the same level as the Chiefs, but you can see how the Dolphins can prepare to have teams really stumble early, and that's what they did against the best quarterback in football and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I brought up the two interceptions, but, I mean, Jerome Baker having a 30-yard sack was incredible. So the only thing that was missing was that offensive strike. I mean, that Devontae Parker dropping off his hands was a little upsetting. Um, the inter- interception, we can argue, you know, either side of it, really. I mean, I, I just would like to see Jakeem Grant make some sort of play. I think he had a-, a drop earlier in the game. I mean, those were, he caught his three other targets, sure. But, I mean, it just seems like he has a spot on this offense, uh, Grant. But I would like to see Lynn Bowden, who-, who you mentioned, seven receptions on nine targets, 82 yards, an 11-yard average for a rookie is pretty impressive. I'd like to see him get more shots as that second, maybe even third wide receiver fighting behind Mac Hollins. Um, this is assuming Devontae Parker is, is healthy. I think he was on the sideline. I think I saw him in shoulder pads. I don't like to really say anything about injuries, but you have to be concerned about Jacecki and 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 Parker. But, but I mean, it, is, it was cool to see Bowden really have a, a big impact there. Dolphins, I think, had six rookies uh, who, who were playing relatively big snaps. And, you know, that's been the entire MO of this team all season long. It was next guy up, and we saw that. But you mentioned some of that early success and how we would have liked to see some of those turnovers. I mean, I'm looking at the first three drives, interception, punt, interception. And mm-hmm. you think the Dolphins, you know, would be up, you'd hope to be up more than 10 nothing after that Kansas City went on a tear, you know, touchdown, punt, touchdown. I mean, we saw the Chiefs. We, you know, this is the Super Bowl champs. We know how explosive they were. The Dolphins had to go toe-to-toe. And, you know, we can sit here and we can blame Tua for not having, you know, for not hitting some of those passes. I mean, that's a key Grant one. I mean, I believe it was a little bit underthrown. Could blame the Dolphins, you know, for not getting to enough weapons in the offseason. I do truly believe those are going to come this offseason, this draft, with all that money they have, all that draft capital. They will get him the weapons. Those will come. But just to know that he was out there again, going toe to toe with one of the most explosive offenses that we've seen in years with these weapons, I mean, it's it's exciting to see. 
but he wouldn't have been in this without the defense. Let's take a moment to hear from our sponsors, and then we will jump into the defense because, let's be honest, this was an awesome performance overall by this unit. You know, Josh, you start you start Tua because you are under the, I guess, idea that this, this defense has shown it's strong enough and the special teams have shown it's strong enough that the team can, can let Tua grow and get these snaps. You mentioned it, go toe-to-toe with, with the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, despite it being a 20-point game at some times. I think this game was kind of closer uh, then we were led to believe there were a couple key uh, key plays made by Tyreek Hill in that Kansas City offense, and that's just what you expect from the Super Bowl champs. But, I mean, I think it's safe to say that the special teams, the, the punt return touchdown, and, and the missed field goal by Jason Sanders, they really let this defense down because I think they did more than enough out there to to come away with a victory and, and kind of shock the world a little bit here. And that's kind of where, you know, we want to sit here. I think everyone's kind of saying that this was uh, – you know, the moral victory and everything, but, but you, the question I have is, I don't know, like, like the defense is so, so on another level, like, like, so out of this world. Great. How sustainable is it? How long is the unit going to be like this where, where the team can completely take advantage of it? I mean, Xavier Howard, man, that, that one in an interception was absolutely insane. This team was without their two main linebackers. There are two of their main linebackers and Kyle Van Noy and Alandon Roberts. And they still seem to do enough in terms of slowing down the Chiefs and give the offense opportunities to keep up with them. But, I mean, Josh, what did you think of this defense and how they really performed out there against uh, the NFL's MVP? You, you hit it right on the head. I mean, this is an elite unit right now. And at what point, you know, they need to get these offensive playmakers in and they, they need to build around this because this is, you know, one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in football. And we saw them go toe to toe. Yes, they gave up that big play to Tyreek Hill, which, I mean, let's be honest, Patrick Mahomes smelled blood in the water as soon as Clayton Fajillium came into that game. I mean, he hit him deep and, and it was game over. Uh, we talked about that Miko Hardman special teams play that completely altered this game. But ultimately, this came down to just the Dolphins being able to to go out there and stop the run. I mean, they really didn't have that much success running the football, as you would expect. And and then they just completely, uh, you know, caused disarray and nightmares for Patrick Mahomes, who, again, is the best quarterback in the football right now. So I just I just it's it's a testament to how good this coaching staff is. And again, a testament to this. Uh, maybe the scheme that's in place and just these players because it was next man up. And again, as soon as Bobby McCain went out of the game, yes, clearly and Flagellum got beat deep, but you know, there were different instances in this game where guys had to step in. You know, you mentioned Jerome Baker, two and a half sacks. He had the most sacks against Patrick Mahomes in his entire career. You know, that's an awesome nugget to have in a game where he was asked to do pretty much everything. ABG had that awesome tip pass. Byron Jones making an interception. I mean, it, again, it was a completely um, team effort and it's just what you love to see. But at what point is this offense going to be you know asked to do a little bit more and when are we going to view them as you know maybe that piece that's holding this team back i don't know when you know we have to see oh, here three weeks ago <laughs> three, three weeks ago the offense was holding them back but i mean that that's not really like like i think that's where we we said in the pre pre-game show where we talked about you know we don't want it to be you know we're a year away we're a year away and you know you are bringing up the fact they need weapons but at this point of the season it's not really something they can accomplish if anything it's only going to get worse uh, you know, you saw that with Parker going down. You saw that with just Seki going down. The point of this offseason is to really get that third, fourth wide receiver, the Alan Hearns and Albert Wilsons of the world back, where you can really have a strong group put together. But, I mean, on, on the defensive side of the ball here, I mean, these guys just strictly balled out, Josh. And I'd love to hear what you think of the secondary, because it seemed like what the Dolphins tried to do is is play a lot more zone defense to get uh 
Pat Mahomes, you know, juggling around back there. But Brandon Jones of the team in tackles again. Uh, they, I think they played a lot of five, five defensive backs. I kind of wish we saw a little more Noah Igbenogany out there. But with Bobby McCain out, there's not really a shuffle that works where he should be that guy to come up. I think they want to keep him at a cornerback. It's a tough position to learn. But, I mean, Josh, what do you think of the scheme and how they really had the Chiefs uh, stumbling and fumbling out of the gate? It's got to get you excited because, like you said, we did see more of those defensive backs out there we saw a lot more heavier sets and it just seemed like they just had an answer for what the what the Chiefs were trying to do I mean yes they got theirs and again they were going to one way or the other but Xavier Howard I mean I didn't really hear Tyree Kill's name until they, they tried that uh they did that little pitch where he ran it for the touchdown I mean until they got him in space and tried to create those opportunities to him I didn't really didn't hear much out of Tyree Kill so mm-hmm. whatever they were doing it was a testament to them I mean I know there was that one deep ball I saw Nick Needham and Xavier Howard were kind of you know uh you know <laughs> kind of bookending him downfield. And I mean, to, to just think of what they drew up here schematically, I cannot wait to drive into the all, dive into the all 22. And I think that's what kind of sucks about, you know, we jump into these podcasts and I mean, you can hear it. We are completely scatterbrained. I mean, we're excited. We got all these thoughts that we just want to say, but we didn't really have time to dive into this tape. So I'm excited to see the way they truly did attack things, you know, from that coach's point of view, but just the way it seemed, you know, you, you continue to see just how good those two starting corners are. And I mean, I don't know that there's a better tandem in the NFL than Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. Um, you know, we did talk about Xavier a little bit here, but again, defensive player of the year, ninth interception, uh, the guy, I, and we joked about it. He, he should probably play wide receiver for this team with all the help they need over there on that side of the football. He's just an absolute monster. Nick Needham stepped up again. I mean, you just continue to name off the player. I mean, this is an awesome secondary, and um, hopefully it's only going to get better once Noah Benogany and some of those other pieces come along. Uh, top five uh, highest-graded pro football focus uh, players for the Miami Dolphins. First, it was Zach Sealer with a 90.5 overall grade. Uh, Van Ginkle, 82.5. Byron Jones, 77.1. Uh, Xavier Howard, 75.2. And Frazier, uh, the backup safety with the 68.8, who actually saw a lot of time out there as well with Bob McCain dealing with that injury. Josh, you know, what What I thought was really interesting on both sides of the ball here, I think the Dolphins kind of commanded the trenches in this game. I, I Yes, I understand there was the safety. I, I think Tua was sacked four times. I want to give Austin Jackson one. I think Kenley is responsible for one. And I think Tua was responsible for two of them where he held the ball too long. But overall, what was your impression of of the trenches? Because I think the Dolphins overall uh, did a good enough job of really just uh, defensively. They held Clyde Edwards-Alaire down. They only gave Bell two carries despite him getting 20 yards on those two carries. Uh, Mahomes wasn't able to run the ball too, too much. I know his scrambling is a possibility there. And on the other side, the Dolphins were able to do enough on offense where Tua didn't look like the, the Ryan Tannehill years where it was just kind of snap the ball and get clobbered. Well, let's start on the offensive side. I think, you know, to me, they were going against an elite line. You know, Frank Clark, we saw him making plays all day long. Austin Jackson, again, he looked like a rookie. Solomon Kinley, they look like rookies. But again, I feel like you said they did enough that the Dolphins could have won this game. And we saw it. I mean, they put them in a well enough position. Are they, you know, an above average offensive line? Probably, you know, maybe not, but compared to what we've seen in the past, you know, uh, this is a much better unit and they held up pretty good against, you know, one of the best defensive lines in football jump over the defensive side. And I mean, let's be honest, Christian Wilkins, Raekwon Davis, Zach Sealer, Shaq Lawson, that's the Dolphins front four right now. And I think that's a great unit. Emmanuel Agba's in there as well. I mean, this is a unit that, you know, we talk about how good the secondary is, but the secondary latches down those receivers like we talked about from day one, and those guys up front are continuing to get to the quarterback. And um, it's a team effort. It's awesome to see, and I think it's a, just a true testament to what Brian Flores and Josh Boyer built schematically with this defense. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. 
Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever prohibitive. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. It seemed at the beginning of the year that defensive end was really going to be a big need for the Dolphins going into the draft and, and next year, but I don't think that's really the case. I mean, this this defensive group has really came come alive. I think Christian Wilkins is really turning into a stud, you know, and, and he kind of fits the Dolphins' mantra of maybe they're going to give up yards, but when he needs to make a play, he's going to do it and set up that third and 13 and get the defense off the field. And we, we saw that was kind of the only way that the Chiefs really got uh, – the best of the Dolphins defense is when they could do those home run type of balls. Obviously, I mean, you can work down the field with Travis Kelsey. I don't think it was Eric Rowe's best game, but I'm not going to sit here and blame Eric Rowe for letting Travis Kelsey uh, do what he does. He might be the first tight end and I think ever to lead the league in, in receiving yards. He's just having that type of season. But I mean, the, the, the bomb to Tyree kill, that was a big quick hitter. Um, you know, the, the run by Tyree kill, another big quick hitter, the, at, other than that, though, the Dolphins really were able to take advantage. They had the three interceptions. They forced the fumble when they were they forced the Chiefs to kind of go 10, 15 yards at a time. And you'd kind of wonder if those turnovers are going to stick there. But it but in the Brian Flores era, you're really seeing the 19 straight games with the turnover. You're seeing that growth of they know how to make those plays. They know how to get the field, whether it's forcing a team to a punt or just getting enough opportunities to punch a ball out, to get an interception, to force a fumble, do something that can uh, disrupt opposing offense. Yeah, isn't it funny, though, because they keep hearing, can they continue the success? Can they continue to get these takeaways? And we're continuing to see it. Every week they're getting a turnover. And Xavier Howard is the first Miami Dolphins player since 1967 to record at least nine interceptions in a season. He is one interception away from tying the franchise record set by Dick Westmoreland in 1967. His five consecutive games with an interception ties the franchise record. I, I think the other cool part about that is, you know, he has nine interceptions in the season, and it was a four-game interception streak early in the year. And I think he actually dropped one the game that the the streak ended. So it's just kind of bananas the, the type of year Xavier Howard is having. We mentioned Byron Jones getting an interception of his own. Eric Rowe brought one down. Um, you know, I think when you look at this defense, um, I, I was listening to Paul Picken and, and Brian Cat um, on in on the uh, on the fin side youtube channel and it sounds like josh you're in the same boat uh that houston texans game and minka parsons is looking like it he might be that guy that makes this defense just bananas i think that that just might be the key here i think so too and i think again it's just getting an elite player to you know take this defense to a completely different level i mean we got to be excited about these pieces but i do think he's that missing link inside that brian flores defense you know, the Dolphins, we mentioned all the rookies they had on offense yesterday. Austin Jackson at left tackle. Solomon Kinley, I think it's safe to say we should keep him at left guard. Um, I, I think he is really uh, 
enforcing his will more at the left guard than he is at the right guard. I'm cool with leaving him there as long as possible. Uh, Ted Caress is being, you know, he's been a pretty up and down this season. I thought he'd kind of be one of those uh, solid blocks, but that really hasn't been the case. Uh, you know, and then you go over to the left side there, Jesse Davis. I think you're going to have to find competition for him at all times. He's a good seventh, eighth guy who kind of beat plug in and played, but he can be exploited a little bit. And then Josh, you know, we spoke about guys who are earning their fins. I mean, big Bob hunt, at that right tackle position, he was thrown in there. He didn't start the season, but he's been awesome over there protecting to his blind side. Yeah, man, you got to love big Bob Hunt. I mean, it's just one of those offensive linemen. I mean, again, this offensive line's playing much better than last year. Started three offensive linemen for the first time in what franchise history was a last week. Again, this week, I mean, it's great to see. And, and Robert Hunt, I mean, that's the future blind side of Tuatonga Valoa. I mean, he's playing very well, and I think he's just going to get better as he progresses. Because let's not forget, this guy is coming from a small school, looked very dominant, you know, in, in the pre-draft stuff. But he's just, you know, a young guy that's only going to get better. And his future is very bright in Miami, like a lot of these young guys. You know, and, and the thing I think I ask a lot is what's different, right? You know, what's different about this team uh, compared to years past? Because this game, like I said, it reminded me of the Rams earlier this year. Um, it reminded me a lot of the Denver game. Uh, uh, I think it was 2013 or 2014 where Ryan Tannehill kind of kept up with Peyton Manning. And, and, and they kind of went back and forth. And you felt like that was Tannehill's coming out party. And that's where the joke really started of him taking the next step every year. Because... You know, it seemed like he was just missing that one game. But, I mean, what we've seen from Tua this year, I think he had one of those performances this week, fighting back and showing, you know, this team really kept their heads up. Um, I think he showed it in that Cardinals game. I, I really like the growth we're seeing out of this team. So so to go back to the question of what is different, I mean, it took me so long to figure it out until it was staring in my face. And that's this team's record, Josh. This is a team that is and 8-5. They are in the playoff hunt. I think they control their own destiny. And this is, you know, a team that... The question is quickly going to become where the ceiling is, right? Whether it's, you know, getting one win in the playoffs this year, I'm, I'm just shooting for the ceiling, or it's going into next year. Where is their peak? And, and I'm really curious to figure out where that goes because this Brian, Brian Flores team looks different. You know, I mentioned it, eight and five, Josh. This isn't something we get to enjoy every single year. And it's cool to see them in this position with a rookie quarterback who's getting all this experience. You know, I think about Tom Brady in his rookie year. It was that Patriots defense, and he was throwing to nobody, the Troy Browns of the world, right? And, and that's kind of what Tua is doing this year. The game's only going to get easier in the sense of he's going to understand the game better and his weapons are going to get so much better. You know, I really didn't want to sit here and talk about the injuries that the Dolphins dealt with because there were so many and it is such an easy excuse. But, you know, I, I don't want to use that for the reason they lost this game. Uh, you know, you can look at the missed field goal. You can miss, look at the ball off Parker's hands. You can look at Jakeem dropping one early in one of those drives to force. I think it was a, a punt in the first drive of the game. But, Josh, just, just to kind of finish up my soapbox right here there's one thing i want to do i want to read you off the miami dolphins 2020 nfl draft and then i'm going to read you off the miami dolphins 2017 draft just to kind of understand where this team is right now and what's still to come so so you look at what the dolphins are dealing with with their rookies and how much they're contributing uh in their first season alone you got tua austin jackson noah igbenogany robert hunt raekwon davis brandon jones solomon kinley Jason Strobridge, Curtis Weaver, Blake Ferguson, Malcolm Perry. All those guys outside of Weaver have really contributed in one way or another. And who knows, if Weaver didn't suffer an injury, he'd be that way. And then, like I said, I'm sorry I'm ranting here, but but 2017, man. Just, just think about this. Charles Harris, Raekwon McMillan, Cordrea Tankersley, 
Isaac Asiata, who is now a police officer. Devon Godshaw, who is done for the year. Vincent Taylor, who, who's hopping around the league. And Isaiah Ford, who we got a six-round pick and we got the player back. It kind of that tells you how good he is. Josh, when you think about just kind of comparing those two things, how do, what, what do you believe is happening with the Miami Dolphins and just the, the growth we're seeing in a, in a week-to-week and, and hopefully a soon-to-be year-to-year basis? And I think the most fascinating thing to me was that you mentioned Tom Brady. And one thing that C.K. Parrott over at Three Yards Per Carry mentioned was that Belichick's first year in New England, he went 5-11, and finished 3-3 and in his final six games. Flores also went 5-11 and and finished 3-3 and in his first season. Bill's second year, he handed the team to a young caretaker quarterback not asked to do too much. They were 7-5 and at this point in the season, defense allowing 19 points per game. He went on to say the Dolphins were 8-4 and four at the time, allowing only 18 points per game. So you see so many similarities between, between the Miami Dolphins and the dynasty that was built in New England. And I think that, to me, is the biggest difference here. It's the coaching staff. It's Chris Greer. It's the Reggie McKenzie's. You know, it's the Marvin Allen's. It's the, the staff that is in place here. You know, they sit there and they praise the equipment staff. You know, all the little people within this organization. Everything about the Miami Dolphins is different. And I think that is why right now they're 8-5, and five, why their best football is still to come. Yeah, and, you know, I'm not trying to say every guy in this 2020 class is going to be, you know, long-term contributors, but to have someone like Milcom Perry in the seventh round come in and have an impact. Um, and Jason Strawbridge, when the Dolphins have really been dinged up at times, he's come in had a couple of big plays here and there, and so that's exciting to see. And, Josh, you know, just to, like I said, there isn't, you know, a uh, uh, feel-good victory Monday, but, I mean, this is probably as close as you're going to get. I, I'd love to see the Dolphins meet this Chiefs team again whether it's somehow this year in the playoffs or even maybe even next year in the playoffs. I'm not really sure. But, I mean, I'm ready to look on to New England. I'm ready to look on to Oakland as two opportunities for this team to really impose that that game I wanted to see. I mentioned at the beginning of the show that we're the better team. We're going to show it from start to finish. We're going to put up 14 points in the first quarter. Off The offense is going to do a lot of work. They're going to look clean because that's really all this team is missing right now. I understand there are the issues. You know, hopefully having someone like Miles Gaskin back, you know, we're sitting here telling uh, telling you that five rookies are starting. Miles Gaskin was a seventh-round pick from a season ago. So, I mean, that just kind of shows what this team is working with. But I'm not ready to use that as an excuse for why they're losing because I think they still are making the most of it and, and having opportunities to win. And a lot of that has to do with uh, their rookie quarterback really growing into something special. Yeah, and it's all the rookies. It's all these players that, you know, they're slowly starting to come together. And, you know, it is Ohana. It is a family-type atmosphere. Big game ahead for the Dolphins. They play the New England Patriots this week. I know we talked about before we came on this show, but, I mean, that game in Buffalo is going to be very screwy depending on what Buffalo is playing for. But what we do know is the Dolphins have to win two of their next three games. You mentioned eventually playing Kansas City. How awesome would it be to play the Chiefs in the playoffs? Patrick Mahomes even said, you know, this is a team that you do not want to face in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, anything can happen. But, again, if you ever want to get to the to the Super Bowl, if you ever want to get through the AFC, you got to go through Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs team. And, and as we're seeing, they're just getting better every year, and it's scary to think of. It is, it is. But, you know, it, it's what you're going to have to do, Josh. There's always going to be great teams. And, hey, you know, maybe this is the Chiefs last year and before the Dolphins really take over that crown. I think that pretty much wraps up what we wanted to talk about here. Uh, the one thing I did want to note, too, is it was on the Ringer podcast, and I believe a couple, uh, I think the Herald had a story along the same lines. Uh, this Dolphins team, for as, as young as they are and exceeding preseason expectations, the attitude within the building based on what these guys are saying is they don't feel like they've earned anything. This this group is still hungry. They feel like they haven't reached their ceiling yet. So that's why, I mean, it seems I'm, it's it's like wait, 
every week I'm waiting for that next, you know, chapter in the story of the 2020 season because the Dolphins are really um, testing what their, their their ceiling is. I think a lot of people looked at that score of the Chiefs game and, you know, the Chiefs kind of blew it out. They, they ended up sneaking away with it. But I think it was a little deeper than that. And I think this Dolphins team can really uh, uh, cause some problems depending on the road they get in the playoffs. Right, yeah. And we're not going to stay here and we're not going to make excuses and, you know, again, point to the, the injuries or just how poor his receiving core and, and the running back situation is. But that is, what's so ex- to him. that is what's so <laughs> exciting about this team is the fact that they went out there and they, again, went toe-to-toe with the best team in football right now with what they were given. And, you know, if they would have got one more drive there, who knows what would have happened. So that's why we're sitting here so excited because next year they're going to add all these playmakers and the sky's the limit. Yeah, and we'll see you guys on Friday. Thank you for tuning into Finsider Radio. Um, Josh, he gets you all the Dolphins content you need throughout the week, whether it's the press conference quotes, whether it's game highlights, whether it's just, you know, some stupid pun he's thinking of on the fly. Uh, for all that, follow at Houts. Um, I'll just kind of rant about one thing here or there. It, it really is like a light switch. It just goes on and off. I'm at Jay Mendel 94 And, you know, we got a big bump in reviews lately. We appreciate that. If you're liking what you're listening to, please smash that subscribe button. You can find the show, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, smash that subscribe button. Leaving a review also helps. Thank you guys so much for listening. We're looking forward to a – Josh, we only got three weeks left. It's slowly dwindling down, but, I mean, it's been an exciting season to say the least. It has, and you just enjoy every week like it's its last because, like you said, it's going to be here uh, before we know it. But most importantly, guys, Dolphins are in the thick of things. I think it's safe to say now we're back in the hunt. I, as sad as that is to say, are we officially back in the hunt? <laughs> no, we're the seventh seed. We're, we're good. I, you know, the Ravens – the thing is, you know, I have – I'm driving with one hand on the wheel. I'm. This is still so casual, I think, for the Dolphins. I think the Raiders are doomed. They fired their defensive coordinator. I'm sorry I saw Josh mute his, mute his mic because I'm going on another rant here. I think the Ravens lose tonight. I don't think the Ravens get to 10 games. I would not pay, be panicking in terms of the Dolphins being in the hunt. As the in-the-hunt expert, uh, we're above that at the moment. We're above in-the-hunt, and, you know, we got the New England Patriots this weekend. Why not go out there and, you know, just lay the wood to them the same way they would in December in, in years past? Hey, you know, the biggest deficit the Dolphins lost by the season was 10 against the Patriots. Uh, but, you know, we'll get into that later this week. Hey, but thank you guys so much for listening, and most importantly— Fins up, Joshua. Fins up, baby. Let two a cook. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami